Welcome to episode 19 of the Seeking the Military Suicide Solution podcast brought to you by the Military Times. I'm Dwayne France. And I'm Doc Shauna Springer. And we'd like to thank you for taking the time to learn more about suicide in the military-affiliated population. If you think you know somebody who might want to listen to the show, share this episode with them. Tag them on social media, send them an email with a link, or just tell them about it the next time you talk. You can see all the shows by going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash STMSS. Thanks again to everybody for joining us to listen to an honest conversation about service member, veteran, and military family suicide. As always, we're looking to bring on guests to have lived experience with losing someone to suicide, as well as guests who are dedicated to bringing forth solutions to impact suicide in the military population. Our guest today is definitely both. Shauna, what can you tell us about our guest? So Major General Mark Graham and his wife, Carol, are two of my most trusted allies in the work of suicide prevention. They've both been in the trenches with military service members and families through trials and traumas for decades. General Graham currently serves as the Senior Director of the Rutgers University Behavioral Healthcare National Call Center and the Director of Vets for Warriors. General Graham and his wife, Carol, are steadfast in the mission to eliminate mental health stigma and get warriors connected to high quality support. They serve in honor of their sons, Kevin, who died by suicide in June 2003, and Jeff, who was killed by an IED in Iraq in February 2004. When Dwayne and I originally talked about doing this podcast, this was the kind of interview I envisioned hosting. It's one of my favorites in the series so far. I agree. I served with General Graham. I actually talk about it in the show, I think. I attended the talk that he and his wife did for all of the senior leaders in our brigade. So even as far as back as 2008, we were having this conversation. So I'm glad to have had General Graham on the show. We'll get to the conversation and come back afterwards to pull out some of the key points. You've had personal experience with death by suicide in your family, as well as a leader in the military. And you've seen a lot of things that people have tried, things that maybe have worked, haven't worked. What do you think about when we're thinking about what works when it comes to suicide prevention? Well, thanks, Dwayne. I appreciate you and Dr. Springer having me on. Uh, what comes to mind to me are, are, are several things. One is eliminating the stigma. And some say that'll never happen, but you know, never is, is something that we shouldn't think about. We should always know we, we need to keep moving forward to eliminate the stigma. And that is getting individuals into care and knowing it's a sign of strength, not weakness, to seek help. Um, and in addition to eliminating the stigma, we need to change the culture, which will help eliminate the stigma, not just in the military, but across our nation as well. We need to change the culture. I, I oftentimes use an example of change ch because change is hard for many people. I mean, when I was a lieutenant, uh, we used to run uh, physical training PT in the morning in combat boots. And I remember the first time the first sergeant came out to the formation, I was a second lieutenant, and he said, okay, two weeks from today, we're going to start running PT in tennis shoes. And a lot of the NCOs and uh, other officers really had a reaction to that. I mean, they just thought, oh my gosh, we're going to be weak. You know, we're not going to be the same army we used to be. But then everybody started realizing that was an orthopedic decision and a good one. I mean, because now we have less injuries during PT, so now people can train more because they're not hurting their ankles, knees, hips, backs, and everything else. But the change we're talking about on your show today and the change we're talking about here is, is a cultural change around mental health. 
and making sure that everyone knows there is help out there. It's okay to seek help. It's good to seek help. I've sought help after we lost both our sons. I mean, I sought help and needed to, and it was hard to do that, but it works. I mean, you've got to be able to sleep. So I think several keys there is we need to change the culture. We need to eliminate the stigma. And then we need to be consistent. We, we need to make sure we're consistent. If you go from one unit to the next, or when you leave the military and you walk into an environment to where now they don't, you know, they don't understand, then it really throws you back off. So if you're in an environment where it's open, you can get mental health care, it's accepted. And then you go to an environment or another military unit, let's say, and it's not as accepted. That's like one step forward, two steps back. So we've got to be real careful that we're also consistent as well across the entire force. I think that's a theme that's emerging is we need to have some structure, right? We need to have some framework that we have in common across different environments. And then we have to adapt it to individual environments. You know, I often say having spent time at both Fort Carson is very different than Fort Polk or 29 Palms is very different than Camp Pendleton. And so the, the framework is the same. You still salute the same people. You still, you know, eat at the same dining facilities and, and things are the, the same but also it needs to adapt to what the local culture is. And then that idea of stigma and overcoming stigma and changing the culture. I often tell people about your story, of course, with your sons, but really when your son had died by suicide, the, the response to both of your sons was very different. And I use that as an example of a culture that needed to change because how your peer group or how your community responded to each of those was different. I wonder if you could talk about that. Yeah, great point. And, and it was very different. So when our son Kevin died by suicide in June of 2003, and he was a, he just finished his junior year as a pre-med student, Army ROTC scholarship cadet, high achiever, was struggling with depression, was on medication. He came off his medication because he was getting ready to go to a Warrior Forge, the advance camp for, in the summer, and didn't want the Army to know about his depression meds. And then our son Jeffrey was killed in Iraq in February 2004, just a little over seven months later, while on a foot patrol. He was killed by an IED. And so the experiences were definitely different for both. You know, Kevin died by suicide. The reaction was, you know, you didn't hear much. People didn't know what to say. Many didn't say anything. Some people for a long, long time did not even mention it to us, which was tough for people not to say something. We didn't know what to do. You know, we were at a loss. This is 2003. So I think we've come a long way in helping prevent suicide and helping people get into care. We mean in everyone. But I also think there's still a stigma out there associated with it. When Jeffrey died, I mean, there were people lying in the streets with American flags and everything else. But our sons died fighting different battles. Our son Kevin was fighting an enemy of the mind. And our son Jeff was fighting an enemy of our nation in a faraway land. So. The boys died fighting different battles, and, but they were both real, whether it was a mental health battle with depression or an enemy. In having spent this time after your military career and, and now focusing on what you're doing, are you seeing the culture shift or, or have you seen some of that stigma reduction occur? I think we are doing better. I think it's hard to measure. I think we are doing better. The sad part is, is we're still losing too many. One's too many, as we all know, but we're still losing too many veterans and service members and family members and those in the civilian community to suicide. So I, I often say, I think we're making progress, 
but I have to, I, I got to tell you, we're not making enough progress fast enough. And uh, we need to continue to talking about suicide. And some people say, well, you know, is talking helping? Talking's helping because it's awareness. We need to continue to raise the awareness. Because the more you raise the awareness, you start getting other things going. You keep research going. You get medical care going. So it becomes part of the routine. You know, your, your primary care doctor, your dentist, your clergy, your uh, clinician. I mean your clinician. You know, my therapist. Oh, and that becomes routine. You know, in the, in the military, we often say mind, body, spirit, right? And so I, I often say, you know, well, the body, we do physical training. We have, you know, master fitness trainers. We have all these things for fitness. And then we always have a, a chaplain in most units. So we got the, you know, the, the body and the spirit. Let's get the mind. So I think getting, getting mental health providers, licensed clinicians at the lowest level in our units as possible, the better we will be so that it becomes okay to go walk into the therapist's office in your unit. Just like you can walk into the chaplain's office or you can go on sick call or go see the doc. It needs to become routine. That's okay. It's part of our culture. It's part of our, our it's okay to do that. Just like any other, anything else you're going through. You know, I can definitely see that, you know, say that's on the inside looking in, right? You know, as I saw it in 2007 or eight, I think we started having embedded behavioral health teams and, and I'm still friends with the doc that I deployed with in Afghanistan. But then what about the inside looking out, you know, this idea of awareness, and maybe this is a bit of a devil's advocate, but does raising the awareness in the general population, does that come with the danger of those who hadn't served on the outside looking in, thinking that veterans are all PTSD riddled maniacs that are suicidal and and broken? And and there's certainly a a thought that that could be. And I I disagree with that thought. I, I, I think that's part of the awareness for the civilian communities. We, that's on us. We need, to, we need to help raise the awareness in the civilian communities as well. That's why I say it's not just a military because what we find is those that join the military, the vast majority do not stay for a 20 year career. They come in, they serve, they serve their country and they move on. So we need to help civilian communities realize that th- this, this is a, c- a young civilian who went to the military, now they're coming back. To you, and they might have been through some things that have that have caused some things to emerge in their life. We need to make sure the awareness is in the civilian community that, you know, this this is a real thing. I mean, depression. If people have clinical depression, this is an illness. It's not just a sad feeling. That's what we thought with our son. We knew our son Kevin was sad. We didn't know he could die from being too sad, and we didn't realize it was clinical depression until very late. And then, frankly, we weren't equipped to deal with it. We didn't know really. What do you do with that? I mean, so I think my wife and I were probably part of the stigma. We probably said some things we shouldn't have said that didn't help, right? Because I think our son, Kevin, felt shame. He felt that he was weak and he was ashamed that he had this. And, and, it, and it wasn't, it was, it was just, it's real. So I think we need to help the civilian community realize that, you know, veterans are citizens just like anyone else. They might've been through some more things, but look at our first responders and all they go through. They go through a lot as well. So I think it's, it's an education, it's awareness thing that the military needs to continue to work with the civilian community and make sure we close this military civilian gap uh, and make sure that's uh, we're a light, lot, lot tighter knit group as a nation and as communities. I think that's a great point in that it goes beyond just the surface awareness of there is this problem, but what is the underlying sources of the problem and what can we do about it, right? So it's not just awareness, you know, suicide in the military population. Maybe that's one of the gaps that we're experiencing is we think about raising awareness that there's a problem, 
but we can't just stop there. We have to raise awareness about the underlying issues and why it's there. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. And so, and this is something that you have focused on after you retired, after your military career, you have worked with Rutgers to establish vets for warriors in many ways to address this stigma, this internal stigma. That's what you're talking about is Kevin's personal shame or, or someone feeling like they can't go to the therapist, maybe like the way they can go to the med provider. So talk a little bit about Vets for Warriors, how it started, why it started, and, and why you think it's effective. Great. Thanks, Dwayne. Uh, Vets for Warriors, and I'll give you the number now, 855-838-8255. It's Vets, the number four and the word Warriors. It's for anybody, anyone that's currently serving in the military, veterans, family members, and caregivers can call our line 24 hours a day and talk to a, a veteran live within 30 seconds. We never close, and we have Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps veterans answering the phones, male and female veterans, and we have veterans from every era, from Vietnam all the way through Iraq and Afghanistan and uh, many other operations. So we have a, a wide group of veterans that, that, that touch a lot of demographics in the military community that can help. And once you call us, then we connect with you and we provide ongoing peer support. It's like a concierge service. We provide ongoing peer support to you. So you connect, connect with us, we then reach back out and connect to you. And, and we talk through things and go through things. And we're on the journey with you together because you're not alone. You're never alone. Vets for Warriors is there 24 hours a day to answer your calls. And if you, if you need resources, if you're looking for employment, if you're struggling financially, housing, food, whatever you're looking for, what we do then once we're talking to you and we hear these issues, then we connect you to resources. If you're struggling with mental health, substance use, whatever you might be going through, we connect you to a clinician. We connect you to an organization within your community that can provide the support you need. Connect you to organizations who do great jobs helping veterans find employment. You name it, we've had a call about it. And we work with a lot of great organizations out there. There are a wonderful community of organizations, whether they're 501c3s, and most of which most of them are, uh, veteran service organizations, but a lot of community-based organizations, state and national, that we connect with uh, just to make sure that uh, you're doing better. Our goal is for your well-being to improve and to build resiliency to keep going. We just want to make sure everyone out there knows you're not alone. And Vets for Warriors is here for you 24 hours a day. We never, never close. And I think that is one of the concerns, and, and definitely it's one of the, the causes for someone to get into a, a suicidal crisis is this fact that they do feel alone, right? You know, we think about Joyner's interpersonal theory for suicide. We've talked about it on the show here before, but isolation and burdensomeness, the feeling like I am a burden on somebody else. These are two things that can cause someone to get into a suicidal crisis. And that's one thing that Vets for Warriors does is removes that false belief in actuality that the veteran or the service member or the family members by themselves. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Dr. Joyner's brilliant. He's great. And a friend, I, I think one of the things that's, that's key is to know is so often when we get phone calls, the, the caller will think that they're the only one that's struggling with this. So they do feel isolated. They feel like it's me, it's happening. You know, what's going on? I, you know, I need it. I need this. I need that. I can't, th- you know, my mind's spinning. I can't sleep. So will we help them know, hey, look, this is pretty normal with what you're going through. So let's figure this out together. Let's work together on this. And then we connect them to resources. We follow up and see how that's going. And we continue to work with them. Because one thing we want them to know is, is, you know, there is help. So let's connect you to someone that can make sure you're getting the best care possible in a timely manner. And, and there's hope. There is hope. 
we don't want folks to feel like they're all alone and isolated and by themselves because they're not. Vets for Warriors is here for you. Let's, let's talk, let's connect. Our tagline is discover the power of connection. It's all about connection. Our peers are paid employees, by the way. They're not volunteers. Volunteers are wonderful folks, but we hire veterans to help other military members and veterans and their families. So it's a win-win. And they go through training. We use a model that's uh, evidence-based called reciprocal peer support. It's evidence-based. It's nationally known. And so we have a lot of individuals calling us every day, every day. And so we want to make sure everyone knows you or someone you might know, a friend, uh, you know, please make sure they have our phone number, or our website. You can do a live chat on our website if you want. But call. Don't hesitate. Call. And we, we don't want anyone out there to, to think they're all by themselves and they're alone and isolated. One of the things that strikes me is Vets for Warriors, if I look at your website, it doesn't say suicide prevention hotline, right? It, it's not, and, and although that's what it does, it doesn't just keep someone from getting in that place or self-harm. This is an upstream intervention. A lot of the things you're talking about is addressing social determinants of health, things like employment, things like physical health, all of these different things that contribute to somebody getting into a suicidal crisis. Vets for Warriors aims to address things way upstream and not necessarily, although it can prevent suicide, it's not a suicide prevention hotline. Correct. Yeah, that's a great point. Thanks for bringing that up. We do want to help early on. Our goal is to have someone call us before they reach the point of crisis. Let's talk early on and work through this together so that you never reach that point of crisis. We work closely with the Veteran Crisis Line. And they have a lot of people that many, many staff that are trained to, to do that. And, and we can do that as well if we get a caller in crisis. Uh, we don't get many of those. We do get some. Uh, we have a licensed clinician with us as well, always. But uh, our goal, you're right, is to help early on upstream uh, before it becomes a, a, a point of crisis. So if, if you're struggling financially, please don't wait until they're getting ready to turn your lights off today. Call us ahead of time and let us help try to get you some support there. And that's one of the things I think key about Vets for Warriors is trust. You can trust us. The veterans that work on our lines, we are who we serve. We're just like every other veteran. You know, we're a veteran. We've served and we're here to help. So many of us hit bumps in the road. Sometimes people look at others and think their life is perfect. Well, I'll tell you, I've learned for sure, everyone seems to be going through something, either personally or someone they know, a friend, a colleague, uh, you know, a a fellow service member. I mean, everyone seems to be going through something themselves or with somebody they know that they're close to. So let us help. Don't, please don't do this alone. Please don't try to solve everything alone. We're here. Just like if you go to the concierge and you ask the concierge anything, they kind of can figure it out for you. We'll work with you. We're not the end all be all. We work with a lot of other organizations. We're very collaborative because one size does not fit all. So we don't pretend to be that. We, but we want to help get to us, start with us, and then we'll connect you to others. And then we'll stay connected with you. That's something you mentioned it earlier in some of this reducing the stigma of you had reached out for help. You know, I've had five combat and operational deployments and I tell my clients, you don't get through that without getting a couple dents in the fenders, right? I mean, these things happen. And, and I, I would imagine that the veterans you have working for Vets for Warriors and answering the phones and on the chats, they likely have lived experience having gone through these storms and can then say, hey, this is how you can do this. And I know because I've gotten through it. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, 70% of our peers that work our lines are combat veterans. And then I, and I also often say that combat experience, I think, exacerbates the challenge and the situation and the and, and things you've seen and done. Just the separation 
But but for those out listening, please know you don't have to have deployed to be struggling. Right. You could be you might be struggling and you never deployed. Military life is tough. I mean, we all know that in peacetime, much less when you're deployed and someone's shooting at you, or you're deployed to a, to another country way far away from your family and friends. But we you know we do training. The National Guard Reserve they do AT. They you know they go away. Military life is a tough life. We all raised our hand and chose it, but that doesn't mean it's an easy life. It's a tough life, and we all are. You know, I'm glad I served and I'm, I'm part of the service uh, that, that everyone gives when they raise their hand and, and says they'll they're serve. Doesn't mean it's an easy life, but that's okay. We can work through it, but let's do it together. Don't take it on yourself. And please know that it's 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 not something that's wrong. I mean, I, it's, sometimes I thought our son, Kevin, near the end as we would talk to him, it, it, it was as if he thought he had a character flaw or something. Like, what's wrong with me? It's like nobody else is... is He's got this. Well, it was an illness. And he realized that later. And he even said on the phone to us one time to my wife, he said, Mom, did you know depression is an illness and not just a sad feeling? So he was really working hard to learn more about this. I mean, he was a pre-med student, so he was trying to figure it out. So what, what we want everyone to know is, please don't figure this out on your own. Call us. Let us get, get you connected to professionals that can help and make a difference in, in uh, life because you're irreplaceable. Everyone out there is irreplaceable. Each and every person is irreplaceable. We want to keep everyone. That's that's absolutely true. I'm definitely going to make sure that Vets for Warriors and the work that you're doing is going to be linked in the show notes. Sir, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Well, thank you so much for for you and Dr. Springer doing the uh, doing the show. Thanks for all those that, that are listening in and please share it. And make sure everyone knows about your show and, and all the great work you all are doing. We thank you. And again, if, if you're out there listening and you yourself or someone you know is struggling or needs help in any way at all, please have reach out to Vets for Warriors at 855-838-8255. We're here for you 24 hours a day live. We answer the phones live. No phone trees, no recordings. You'll talk to a veteran. That's great. This is Doc Springer. My new book, Warrior, is out. I don't always get a book endorsement, but when I do, it's from the world's most interesting man. Hello, my friends. These are difficult times that we are all going through. So many people offer opinions on this COVID-19 situation, what to do, how to cope. So you don't know whose perspective to listen to. I would like to suggest to you a doctor, Dr. Shona Springer. She has worked for years with our warriors. She is extremely insightful and can give you all kinds of good information. I would like to recommend her book. It is called Warrior. It is important. There is information that can do good things for you. So I recommend it. Doc Springer, thank you. The book is called Warrior. Adios amigos. Good health. Stay well. Stay isolated, but not alone. Adios. When I served under General Graham, it was after he had lost both of his sons. So he had carried on in his military career, and he and his wife were very vocal about their experience and what needed to change. I think he's a great example of somebody who's turning tragedy into solutions. Yeah, you know, this interview made my heart sing. It was an example of what action looks like in real time. Strong themes in this interview were about eliminating mental health stigma and decreasing the barriers to getting care. 
And like so many warriors, General Mark Graham is a person of action. He and Carol created Vets for Warriors originally for active duty service members, give them a safe and confidential way to get help. But they've since expanded to veterans as well. And equally important as having a safe place to start the healing journey is Mark's use of his story. He's a true leader who uses an honest, transparent, vulnerable approach. He is doing exactly what he advocates, talking about how he and Carol got mental health treatment after losing their sons, when he talks about how they may have done some things that inadvertently at one time contributed to mental health stigma, that is a powerful transformative level of vulnerability for those who are listening. So he's doing what he advocates for, looking at the importance of mental health and using his rank and his respected status in the military community to give other people permission to acknowledge when they're struggling and come forward for help. As I said, this was just really one of my favorite interviews because General Graham was taking action in real time by using his story to change the culture of help seeking. Yeah, I agree. And, and as you mentioned, his transparency, right? The stakes were made. I made mistakes. We made mistakes. We said things that, you know, that may have uh, exacerbated the situation, but they didn't know that at the time. It's one thing to make mistakes and, and sort of not know what the impacts are. But now getting to the point of knowing what we should or shouldn't say and still saying all the wrong things is worse. Yeah. And, you know, he didn't say it in that mistakes were made kind of way. He said, we made mistakes, like you just said. And I think owning that, but also acknowledging that, of course, they would never do anything to harm their son that they love, of course. How many people are going to be able to identify with having done things as parents or as people that are trying to take care of warriors that are, are not what we now understand is the best approach? And being able to look at that and own it without any shame and say, now that I know that, I'm going to use that story and allow other people to get to the same place of understanding. That is powerful. The second thing was this line of trust. There's a line of trust in the continuum of care for mental health. And I trust them. I started out using Vets for Warriors for my patients when I was back at the VA many years ago. And I was kind of one of the original secret shoppers at that time. So, you know, we would call together from my office. And I think that was a great way to do it, actually, because what I learned is that the dynamics of a clinician and a veteran meeting together, that's one thing. There's a level of accountability there to the degree that you have trust with the veteran you're serving. But when you surround someone with a kind of team, when you bring in somebody on the phone in real time, like I would do with Vets for Warriors, then it changes the dynamic. It really makes it a level of accountability that's expanded. And it's like creating a fire team or a core unit for them in real time. And that helps them to kind of feel like they have people that are surrounding them and have their back on kind of like a couple of different sides. And so their peers, you know, vets for warriors, they can be from any branch of service. They've strategically hired people from different branches of service. And Mark mentioned this where you can call in and you can say, I want to talk to a Marine or I want to talk to somebody who served in the Air Force. That's possible because they've been very intentional and strategic in who they hire. Their peers are trained, they're paid, and they're treated with dignity and respect. So these peers at Vets for Warriors are really their assets. And I've been partnering with them for a long time to get people into care. 
for a long time, this organization has been on my short list. And it's one that I consider to be an invaluable resource to the military and veteran community that I share out often. Yeah, you know, I think this is a good example of collaboration. We talk about it in the show. This isn't intended to replace the suicide prevention hotline. This isn't an intervention as we know it. You know, someone's immediately in crisis that needs to to have an intervention. Uh, This is something that can work in conjunction with the suicide crisis hotline, but do something different. You know, I I see uh, so many times in, especially in the veteran support industry, where we're trying to duplicate processes or supplant processes or even compete if we want to use that word. But I think Vets for Warriors Like you said, it's part of a continuum, uh, a trusted element that exists within other solutions. Yeah. General Graham said it's not really a crisis line. They're trying to get to people before the problem develops. And so it can be part of that solution. But one of the best things about it is that they will follow up with somebody for as long as that veteran or service member wants. And what that means is that they will be persistent and try to get somebody into care with a good doc. But if it isn't a fit, or if there's a kind of trial period, you kind of like see if that relationship is really a good fit, then they will stick with you until you find a good doc. And so that may be, you know, some trial and error and, you know, seeing whether that clinician you're meeting with, feels right for you. Often that's a gut level thing too. You know, it's not just a matter of somebody's experience or credentials. There is a sense of like, finding a healer whose approach and heart really is a good fit for, for who you are. And they'll stick with people until they find someone that, that really feels right. So I think that's a, another wonderful part of their program. Yeah. And I think, again, as I mentioned it just briefly, when we started talking a few minutes ago, this is an example of where General Graham and his wife, Carol, exists on sort of a cyclical process of suicide prevention is they've come out the other side. They grieve and they're still grieving, I'm certain, but they're engaged in postvention in order to get to prevention. And he talks about it. This is an upstream prevention. This is along the lines of, you know, tragedy doesn't have to break us down and post-traumatic growth and things like that. And I really appreciate that. I really appreciate those of you who are taking time to listen to the show. Make sure to check out the show notes at veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash STMSS19. You can get all the things we talked about in this episode as well as on militarytimes.com. As a reminder, you can ask us questions and let us know what you thought about the show by going to our Facebook group moderated by the outstanding D. James by going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash group. Just a reminder that the guests and reflections on this show are for informational purposes only and should not be considered professional advice. While Dwayne and I are mental health professionals, we are not your mental health professionals. We always recommend that you discuss these things with a licensed clinician. You can find out more about the work that Shauna is doing by checking out her latest book, Beyond the Military, A Leader's Handbook for Warrior Reintegration, and the work that I'm doing with my latest book, Military in the Rearview Mirror. Both are available on Amazon and we'll have links to those in the show notes. And always remember, you can connect with the Veteran Crisis Line by calling 1-800-273-8255 and pressing 1. Chat online with them at veterancrisisline.net or texting 838255. Thanks again for joining us to talk about seeking the military suicide solution and make sure to follow Military Times on social media to keep up with the latest shows. Join us next time for another great episode. And until then, remember, you're not alone ever.